Ooh. Oh, hello. Oh, I was just having a little rest. Good morning, all the young ones and the youth that might be watching at home or watching in the sanctuary today. As you know, my name is Mr. Kevin, and I want to talk to you today about rest. Not any kind of rest. We're talking about the Ten Commandments, and the Fifth Commandment is God tells us to keep the Sabbath day holy. Well, what is the Sabbath day, and why should we keep it holy? Well, the Sabbath day was the date of rest that God asked his people to always have in their life. God said, you're going to work hard for six days out of the week. But then on the seventh day, you should rest from all of your work. There's something really good about rest and something really good about sleep. It rejuvenates our bodies and our minds. It helps us feel fresh and ready to go. And so we're going to talk today in Children's Church about why it's important to rest, why it's important to have a day of the week where we're not working, we're not doing homework, we're not maybe even doing work in the yard, but that we're spending time resting, we're spending time with our loved ones, and often we're spending time in our faith and with our church family and our church community. Today is all about the Sabbath and all about rest. And I hope that you will understand and have a new appreciation for a day of rest and for Sundays, as we often practice in the Christian faith. Let's pray. God, you are so wise in now how you know your people. You know what we need. You know that we just can't work and work and work and work and work. That we have to stop, that we have to rest and breathe and sit and how important that is. Thank you for sleep. Thank you for rest. Thank you for Sabbath. Help us to understand that and really have it be a part of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As the children go off to Children's Church, I invite all of you to stand and pass the peace of Christ to one another with a wave or a hello or a elbow tap while I'll go back to resting.
We want to have the courage to live our lives fully and let go of our fears. Stay beside us on this journey as we turn toward the life of promise that you have granted each of us. Make us mindful of the struggles and suffering of others. Help us to acknowledge our own loss so that we might grieve properly. Help us to embrace our truth as your beloved children so that we may put joy first in our lives and hope. We pray this morning for our world, may it know healing, may it know peace, may love abide in all places. May those who serve in elected positions of power use this power wisely and with courage and insight. Dear God, we pray that we may be a part of real solutions and support in our housing crisis in our area which affects all people in this city. And especially this morning, we pray for our unhoused neighbors. We offer thanks for all the signs of hope that are around us, for our young people and their desire for change, for the successful and fun meeting we had last week, imagining the next stages in our ministry with our unhoused neighbors. We offer thanks for our Girl Scouts and their scrappy do-it attitude right here at church. And we pray for all those who gather in your name, thankful that knowing through you all things are possible, we may gather together and build this community. Holy Spirit, pour your healing presence over all those in need. This morning we pray especially for Bunny and her family. May you comfort and accompany them in this moment of her journey. And now, dear God, we take a moment for silence to offer you the prayers that linger on our hearts and minds. Dear God, all that has been, all that is, and all that will be is in your hands. We offer these prayers to you. We know you can carry that which has become too heavy for us. And now we pray together in confidence the prayer that your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning again. We have a few announcements for you today. Very excited, we've shared the last few weeks and finally, it's almost here, one more week. Next Sunday, we will be celebrating Soul Food Sunday together. Both of our congregations will come together to worship here, Hollywood United Methodist Church in Harmony, Toluca Lake. We're gonna have a really incredible sermon from Dr. Larry Hyde Jr. who serves on our governance board and has an incredible message to bring. 
We're going to have great music from our own choir, from John West, from our Harmony Toluca Lake Band, under our interim minister, our music minister there, Gaddison. It is going to be a party, a remembrance, a thought-provoking Sunday, and there's going to be food because we Methodists and we like to eat. So there's going to be soul food in the um, gymnasium. If you feel comfortable eating here, you can, or you can take it to go. If you have not reserved your meal, you can send an email to the office. You can let Emily know after church that you need to do that. She's around. Tickets are $15. You can also purchase a ticket for a neighbor who might not be able to purchase their own. And we really hope that you will partake because it is quite the feast and it's going to be an incredible morning. So who's going to be here on Soul Food Sunday? I'm getting two lunches. It's going to be good. We also have started our incredible Palms, uh, Palms Bible study led by Pastor Mark Stevenson. It's every Thursday night, 7 p.m. on Zoom. You can, draw, you can join now. You don't have to join at the beginning. Mark is an incredible teacher, and the Psalms are a blessing to our lives. If you want to spend some time with the Bible, just send him a text or an email, and he will hook you up with the Zoom link. We'd be glad to have you. We are really excited to share that we are planning to have Ash Wednesday service in person here at our church for the first time in two years on April 2nd, and I cannot wait. Um, if you are able to join us, you can, of course, it will be offered online, but we will be very glad to have you here. And last but not least, on the third Sunday of every month, we wanna offer you a call to action. And we're continuing our discussion about our ministries with our unhoused neighbors. This is going to be a work that we are a part of and have been a part of for some time and will be a part of for some time to come. And this week, I want to highlight for you the Los Angeles homeless count, which is happening this coming week. Now, this is a super important and incredible piece of work that takes place in the hands of volunteers and volunteer organizations and agencies that allows us to get a true assessment of how many of our neighbors are actively living unsheltered on the streets every day. Last month, we heard a really great presentation from Louis Abramson from the Central Hollywood Neighborhood Council, who chairs the Homeless Task Force, just about the numbers here in our immediate community around the church. We learned that anywhere between four and 6,000 people are sleeping unsheltered at night right here within a few blocks of our church, that a full third of them are between the ages of 18 and 24, that a third of them are identifying with the LGBTQ community, and a large majority are African-American. These statistics really tell us about the striking inequality that is happening in our community and the kind of difficulties that folks are facing. And if we don't have an accurate count, we can't be a part of the work to advocate for the necessary solutions. And so they are looking for folks to participate in the homeless count. There are two this week. There's gonna be one leaving from Hollywood on Thursday night at 8 p.m., not from our sanctuary, but nearby on Selma. And if you go to register, you'll get the address. And there's gonna be one leaving from our Harmony Toluca Lake campus on Tuesday night to do the North Hollywood area. And that's also at 8 p.m. These counts are being done socially distanced from the car. We were asking for people to register for two people at least in the car at a time because you can't drive and count unless you wanna have another issue going on. You need a person in the car with you. Um, and they'll train you how to do it, but there's also a video online that you can watch to do it. It's very easy. It's very easy to get involved. You can visit the website that's on the screen, theycountwillyou.org to register. The youth were on our call last Tuesday night. We had our Love Your Neighbor meeting, which was a chance to reimagine the possibilities for our, un our ministry with our unhoused neighbors as we move forward. About a third of the folks on that call, five or six, were young people. 
between the ages of 12 and up. And it was amazing to have them there. They're gonna, some of them are going to participate in the count, but they're going to have their parents drive them. So it's just this is going to be an incredible intergenerational work that we're doing here at our church. And I encourage you, if you feel like you want to start doing something that really you know, has an impact, visit the website, watch the video to make sure you're comfortable with it, and sign up for the count. Because the more we know, the more work that we can do to get to real and creative solutions. And this is indeed a work that God has called us to and continues to pour his spirit over all the time. Can I get an amen from God's people? Amen. There's a lot to do and we're going to be doing it. And if you want to go but you don't have anybody to ride with, email me and I'll try and see if I can connect you with some other Hollywood UMC folks, okay? So that's it for today. That's our announcements. The last thing I want to do is invite you to give as generously as you are able to the ministries of this church. Everything that we do is made possible by the gifts that you bring, all of our work out in the community and right here at home. You can do it the traditional way. You can drop some, something in the basket on your way out. You can text to give, I guess, which is totally awesome. That's a new thing. Um, and you can also go online. All of these options are here. So I invite you to do that. Oh, and I forgot one more. I wanted to offer a second welcome to Reverend Jefferson Beaker, who's with us. Can you join me in welcoming him here today? We are so blessed to have Jefferson leading us in worship and meditation today. Jefferson is a member of our Harmony Toluca Lake campus. He is part of our leadership team there. He is a retired pastor who's not super retired because he has an extremely active ministry helping people um, and their families send their, their loved ones home after their passing. Um, and maybe you could ask him about that after church. But he is an incredible leader and we just feel so blessed that he is here with us today. Make sure to greet him on your way out. Thank you.
reading from John. We know love by this, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we want to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commitment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Choir, thank you for your very beautiful ministry. It is always so wonderful when I have an opportunity to come and to hear you sing. So thank you. Yeah, that was beautiful. And Ruth, thank you for that beautiful reading of the text this morning. I was very honored when I received a message from Rev. Kathy, and she asked me to come and share a message with you this morning. It is always, as I said, so wonderful to be with this loving congregation, and I look forward to being with you next week as well. I have had a lifelong fascination with how the ministry of Jesus and the life of Jesus was received by those who heard it for the very first time. Also, how his teaching was observed in the first century and also the second century. We know that at the time there was not an established church called the Christian church. So the theology and the doctrine that can so easily define us today was unheard of. The early followers of Jesus were indeed Jewish. Later, also Gentiles. And I have often wondered how this radical and this startling message of universal love for all people would have been received. Received certainly before some third, fourth, fifth century theologian, religious studies professor, or TV evangelist with a political aspiration got a hold of the message and decided who was in and who was out. I find compelling how Jesus and his teaching fell upon the ears of the first century people. The people who heard his message and saw his ministry and how it spoke to them when they were living in a very hostile and brutal empire. And I like to study how these first and second century people gathered, gathered with one another to be in community. As a lifelong student of history,
I have realized that it is far too easy to look at the ministry of Jesus or the history of Christianity or all history really and to read it backward from our time back. Naturally, we do that because we understand our experience. We understand the lens from which we, we are approaching that study. But I truly believe that if we are going to understand history, we need to get inside the people who lived those events. And we have to try to understand, to understand the order in which those events occurred. Doing it, I believe, may actually help us. Help us to understand why we are who we are today. Starting at the beginning can really help us from getting caught up in a lot of the doctrine and policies of the fourth century established church that formed the church as a whole new empire, desiring to control the negative for its own purposes, and that has certainly influenced much of what we have gone on to believe today. We need to discover that Jesus of history. Before his message was preempted, I would add, by white nationals. Jesus of history is Jesus of Nazareth, a poor, Middle Eastern, brown-skinned Jewish peasant living in a Roman-occupied land who spent his entire life and ministry with words of hope for people who found themselves in the same situation that he was in. If this Jesus, this Jesus of history is really who we proclaim, there can be but one Jesus and we cannot follow a white nationalist Jesus. Jesus was a person of color murdered in the streets simply for proclaiming God's message where the poor are blessed, not forgotten. When I lived in Washington, D.C., I loved to go over and meditate at the National Cathedral. You probably know that building if you've watched state funerals on television or national prayer observances. It's a magnificent, magnificent structure, truly beautiful. So usually on Tuesday afternoons about one o'clock, I would walk into that giant cathedral and sit alone in the first row of seats and I would meditate. The person at the door soon knew to expect me and so always greeted me warmly. And sometimes as I sat there, I would close my eyes and tune out the sound of the tourists nearby. And yet other times I would sit there and I would gaze up into one of the beautiful stained glass windows and allow the sun to go through that window and to bathe me in vivid, vivid colors. I would go there and I would enter that space 
and I would often arrive with a variety of different emotions on me. I was serving at the time a church that was in crisis in Bethesda, Maryland. And I sometimes wondered as I served this church why on earth God had called me to that place. I would try to release the despair that I felt as I meditated. And I thought about this church that I was serving and the obstacles that they were placing before me as I tried to grow the church as they had called me to do. Change is difficult. I know you've experienced that in your own life, but think of change squared when it comes to churches. Churches don't always handle change easily. If you don't believe me, think about what would happen if you did something as simple as try to change the type font in the morning worship bulletin. You could hear the screams from La Brea. I guess it's that way, isn't it? But on Tuesdays, as I sat in that cathedral, I entered into the presence of Spirit God, and I felt God breathe in me. The love of Spirit God, the un unconditional love and grace. I felt the presence of Jesus, and often I felt that presence seated right next to me as I meditated. I would then, after about an hour, drive over to the church where I was serving. And as I would drive over there, renewed, I knew exactly what I wanted to talk about on Sunday morning. Love and acceptance. I felt understood by my divine source of spirit God as I meditated in that cathedral. I knew that the presence of God was right where I was. As I meditated there one day, I was reminded that Jesus ministered in that time that was so very hateful. The Jewish people were living under the rule of a very brutal Roman occupation. In the book, After Jesus and Before Christianity, the scholars whom have included essays in that book have written, violence was part of the larger Roman strategy that aimed to coerce conquered nations to think of themselves as half-human barbarians. The fear of the authorities and what could happen at any moment without warning had to have truly beaten these dear people down. And out in the streets, they could just as easily be arrested and beaten for no other reason than walking down the street while being Jewish. Just the kind of fear the Romans desired. So it was in that dysfunctional atmosphere that Jesus' radical message of loving one another in community had to fall on ears that were anxious for a way forward. Our scripture that we heard this morning comes from 1 John, one of the Johannine letters in the New Testament. 
Most scholars believe that the author of these letters is not the same author as the Gospel of John, but this author of the letters is writing to reinforce what the writer of the Gospel of John has put forward. In this letter we read, I am writing you no new commandments, but an old commandment that you have had since the beginning. And the author then cites Jesus' words from the gospel that you love one another just as I have loved you. As I was thinking about this during the week, it occurred to me that in this dysfunctional Roman occupation, these groups of people at that time must not have been thinking of themselves as God's chosen people, but as God's forgotten people. And so how did they respond? They understood that they were stronger together, that in face of the fearful outside world, they needed one another more than ever. And they formed what scholars have called Jesus groups, groups of people coming together, coming together in community, in their homes to tell stories of Jesus, to drink and to eat and to be surrounded by others who understood them and who could give them courage. For it was there that they could feel protected. To me, as I read John's letter, and also the Gospel of John, it is clear to me that what Jesus is asking us is to come together to abide with another. To understand that this love John writes about is to understand that love then needs to be defined and it needs to be understood the way Jesus understood it to be. Inclusive, open, affirming, infinite, life-altering. Any other definition, I believe, is a self-serving one. And when I read this letter today, I also realize that in our, what our first century believers went through, was not just something from another time. For many of us in today's world feel we live in a dysfunctional climate as well. There is hatred and mistrust, misinformation being promoted by people in elected office, suspicion of others who are different from oneself. These people are thought as being subhuman, just as the Romans had looked upon the ancient Jews. That still today, people are being attacked simply for their presence out in public, being who they are. Today, people may not be nailed to a tree in the Ro Roman style of crucifixion, but there is another version of that that people have experienced, and it is called lynching. 
These first century Jesus groups needed to read this letter and support one another with the abiding love and the presence of Spirit God. And I believe we need to read this letter and do likewise. We are being asked to stand with one another to abide, to be in the presence of another, and we can only, win, only do that when we are first ourselves filled and empowered by the presence of Spirit God. We are meant to abide with one another in mind, in body, in spirit, in breath, in attitude, and with the whole of our very being. I like how Celtic writer and lecturer John O'Donohue writes in his book, The Blessing Between Us. For he writes, we have fallen out of belonging, that, we have, that which has bonded us together in community has been torn away by today's world. In short, he writes, we've fallen out of love. But then he goes on to write this. It is ironic that so often we continue to live like paupers, though our inheritance of spirit is vast. These first century Jesus groups understood that in abiding with another, the vastness of their spiritual inheritance was the very engine that would give them strength. I look at our world and I look at the division and I look at the hatred and the fear and I grieve that indeed we have fallen out of belonging. One would hope that in 2,000 years we would have learned something, but it often seems we have not. Let us read John's letter again, and let us read it again and again, and let us dwell in the divine presence that is forever with us, never forgetting and certainly never forsaking us, but forever available to lift us up, to point us in the right direction, affirm that we belong with one another, as we know that God is with us. God abides with us. My ministry back east, coming to an end, I went one final Tuesday to the cathedral. And as I sat in the glow of that magnificent space, I knew that the Christ presence is the center and the source of all that we need. Whatever we need to be love, to feel love, to understand love, to dwell in love, is to be found in the center of that beautiful and that perfect divine presence. That presence is accessible and it is available to us at any moment. And that presence forever welcomes us home in a loving embrace. That presence reminds us that we are not nor can we ever be God's forgotten people. 
the world and the things of the world are constantly seeking to pull us back in a vibration of fear, anxiety, despair, and judgment. We must remain consciously aware that it is love that is the core vibration of all that we are and seek to go forward and to live that truth. Probably thousands of times a day, we must remind ourselves. Each time we return to that truth, we have made a successful commitment to love as Jesus loved. Writer, one of my favorite writers really, John Philip Newell, in his book, Listening for the Heartbeat of God, reminds us that to listen to God is to listen deep within ourselves, including deep within the collective life and consciousness of the whole world. We are meant to be one big loving Jesus group. Let us practice some of that listening to the heartbeat of God at this moment. I would like to invite you where you are seated to close your eyes if that's comfortable for you. If you wish, you can just let your gaze soft focus and go downward. Allow yourself to breathe, to breathe in and to breathe out and to know that as you do so, that you are breathing with God. And simply breathe and let the whole of your body relax into this moment of being at one with that perfect presence. Know that this is your time. This present moment is just for you to experience. Experience God to experience you. We don't go through this thing called life all alone. For the presence of God abides with us fully and completely. I invite you to feel the fullness of your expression of life. All that you are, leaving no part of you behind. For all that you are is the perfect, loving creation of Spirit God. Just as you are the perfect, divine creation of Spirit having a human experience on this earth. May you feel blessed just as you are May you feel courage just as you are. May you know that your individual expression of life 
is an important and vital part of the whole of universal creation. And no one, no one can ever take that away from you. And know that the love that you are is the visible manifestation of God on earth. Breathe this truth. Accept it as indeed who you are this day and always. As you go forward, may you be blessed. Amen. for our closing hymn. Now, as you go from here, may you know that you are never alone, for God is forever right where you are at every moment, and that at any time you can turn within to feel the peace, the power, the blessing, and the grace of a God who loves you unconditionally. Will you say, unconditionally? conditionally. Well done. And so it is. Amen. May you be blessed.